Welcome on in here to the Better Man NFL Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Adam the Fade Gross, and this is the first episode for us back this season after a really, really horrible lead-up into the season. That's not to do with betting, that's to do with the fact that our podcasting provider, Anchor, had problems with our account, ghost accounts, etc., etc. We weren't able to log into our account to get our picks out last week, even though they did go 6-1 and one in the posted arena where we put them. It is unfortunate that we weren't able to get the podcast out But here we are, we're back, ready and raring to go here for week two in the NFL. We did miss Thursday night football. We did not have a single play for that one, so there was nothing missed. We're going to roll straight on in here to the first big game we've got on the board, and that's the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins. Now, my line for this one was minus three. I believe that the Dolphins are being overvalued here because of a win against the Patriots on opening week. The actual line that's come out is plus three and a half, so I actually have them personally half a point better than what the books do. So with that being said, I think that the Baltimore Ravens are going to be able to push this line and cover here. I've got the total set at 44 and a half, and my value ATS pick in this one is going to be Jalen Waddle. I think he's got the speed to get on the outside of the defensive backs here from the Miami Dolphins. There's not really a great deal of speed on their back end, and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are both going to be way too fast for this defense to keep up with. Now, what I do like here is that Tua Tagovailoa is minus 110 for over 0.5 interceptions in this game. I think the Baltimore Ravens front seven is going to be able to get after him all game. With that being said, that's going to lead to mistakes, and that's pretty good value on the over 0.5 interceptions on Tua Tagovailoa. So for this game, I'm taking the Ravens to cover, I'm not playing with the total because I think it's about right where it should be. I'm taking Jalen Waddle to score and Tua over 0.5 interceptions. Now moving to the next game here, that's Cleveland Browns against the New York Jets. I had this power rated at plus 4.5 for the Jets and minus 4.5 for the Browns. The actual line is minus 6.5, plus 6.5, so I think I'm happy to take the side of the New York Jets here. Their defense is actually better than what people think. I think the total is just way too short for such a big line. If anything, if this moves to plus 7, then that's going to be good value on the Jets. However, their offense was pure mud last week. Do I think it's going to be pure mud back-to-back weeks? It's possible with Joe Flacco on the center. The last time this man was successful was 2019. 39.5 is the total. Leads me to think this is going to be like a 2013 kind of game, 2014 kind of game. For my ATS in this one, I like Elijah Moore at that plus 275 value. That's really good value for Elijah Moore. I think they're going to get him involved a lot more this week after having him kind of stagnant last week, which is why I'm also taking him on the stat pack for over 49.5 receiving yards at minus 110. Now, who do I think is going to win this? I think the Browns win this, but I don't think they'll cover that plus 6.5. I've really got this at like a 6 maybe four-point spread between these two teams. I don't think there's going to be a great deal of action coming from the quarterbacks. I think Joe Flacco has passed his prime, and I think Jacoby Brissett is also not an NFL-caliber quarterback. This is an interesting matchup for the fact that we're going to see some really nice run, run play, design run plays for the Cleveland Browns running backs because they are a great duo, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I think both of them do have a decent chance of scoring on this Jets defense. But yeah, I'm sticking with the plus six and a half, six and a half on the Jets here to cover that spread. I'm not playing with the total because they could definitely go under that and they can definitely go over it. And I'm taking Elijah Moore on that anytime touchdown score at plus 275 with Elijah Moore to go over 49 and a half receiving yards. 
Now we've got the Detroit Lions and the Washington Commanders that I had as a pick'em. Lions come in at minus one and a half for the Lions and plus one and a half for the uh, the the Manders. I don't particularly like this game. I think the Lions can easily get blown out here because Carson Wentz, despite a, a couple of bad passes, did look reasonably good last last week. They did beat the Jags, and in doing so, Carson Wentz passed for four passing touchdowns, and Curtis Samuel actually rather electric in this offense. There's a reason Ron, Riverboat Ron brought him over from Carolina. With the news of DeAndre Swift injury, I think Jamal Williams at plus 125 to score a touchdown is great value. I think they're still going to give him the ball in the red zone like they did last week. They gave him all the red zone looks and took DeAndre Swift out, much to the dismay of his fantasy owners. He still managed to find a way in there, so your hearts weren't completely broken. The 48.5 total, I think there's a good chance that they go over this because neither team has anything in the secondary. Washington does have some decent pass rush up front, but the lack of elite talent at the secondary position is what's going to open up the scoring in this one because both teams feature really good receiving corps. DJ Chark and... Amon Ross and Brown with TJ Hawkinson is a really great trio where you have the Manders that have Scary Terry, Antonio Gibson out of the backfield, as well as Curtis Samuel being used in that Debo Samuel-like switch role. So for me here, I'm taking the Washington Commanders to cover that plus one and a half. I'm taking the overs in this one with Jamal Williams to score and Curtis Samuel over 43 and a half receiving yards. The next one up is the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Fun fact here is that the Colts are 112 and 1 ATS in their last 14 trips to Duval County, which is hilarious considering that they haven't won either in the last eight years going to this place. It's, it's just such an anomaly in this league that the Colts are so bad against the Jags. The plus five, I actually... That's my line, the plus five and the minus five. The actual listed line is plus three and a half, minus three and a half, which could move to four shortly. The total is at 45.0. Now, I like James Robinson to score a touchdown in this one because the Jaguars are still going to keep him as a focal point in their offense throughout this entire season unless he gets hurt. And my stat pack for this one is going to be Matt Ryan, over zero and a half interceptions. This is going to be a great play all season long because he just looks like pure garbage, which he has for like the last six, seven years of his career. So neither side have anything special about them outside of Jonathan Taylor. Trevor Lawrence is still finding himself... Christian Kirk looked pretty good week one, but he's going to struggle a bit more this, this week lined up, possibly against Stephon Gilmore. If not there, then he's going to be up against Moore, and Moore's even better out of the slot. For the Colts, they are still losing. They still don't have Shaq, Shaq Leonard. He's out. He's definitely not playing, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are more than capable of covering this plus three and a half because if the, the, the Texans are able to keep the Colts bottled for so long like they did. Jacksonville's actually got a better defense. So the plus three and a half is where I'm leaning for the Jaguars here. And I'm going to take the under that 45.0 with James Robinson plus 160 and Matt Ryan over zero and a half intercepts. Now the next one is the Saints and the Bucks here. I had this set at plus three and a half on the Saints and minus three and a half on the Bucks. The actual line is minus two and a half and plus two and a half with a total of 44 and a half. Now, as the market sits, it's actually been suspended for any time touchdown scorers because there is news that Alvin Kamara could be out this weekend. So the markets will readjust to that. But however, I wasn't going to be looking in that direction for my ATS here anyway. I was looking at Michael Thomas. I think that Jameis Winston just really loves him inside the red zone. I think he's going to be able to get another slant touchdown here, which is what his specialty is. 
And as for my stat pack, I'm really liking what I saw off DraftKings, which was Michael Thomas over 53.5 receiving yards. I think he's going to get a lot of action towards the um, second half of this game as he starts to recover from those injuries. Now, the Bucks are still struggling on that offensive line, which is leading to Tom Brady struggling to get the ball out of his hands fast enough. With that said, I still think the Bucks are the better side here, but the pro in me just can't take that. Minus 2.5, that's a dead money line. And I've got to lean towards the Saints as disgusting as that feels on the inside. Plus two and a half here on the Saints just feels like the right play because Dennis Allen just has Tom Brady's number. I don't know what it is. There's some of these things in sport, any sport around the world, where just some teams can't beat some teams and some coaches just can't be beaten by certain players. That's what we're seeing here with Dennis Allen and the Bucks. I think that we're going to be looking at a pretty ugly contest here because Tom Brady didn't really look too flash in that first season. He doesn't have Chris Godwin to bail him out this week. So I'm going to be taking the Saints with the plus two and a half. I'm going to be leaving that total and I'm going to be taking Michael Thomas for an anytime touchdown score as well as Michael Thomas over those 53 and a half receiving yards. Now we're going to the biggest overreaction and underreaction of week one, which is going to be the New York Giants who slayed the Titans against the Carolina Panthers, who lost to the Browns. Now, I have this set at plus 1.5 for the Giants and minus 1.5 for the Panthers. The actual line is minus 2 for the Giants and plus 2 for the Panthers. I think this is a massive overreaction to Saquon Barkley just getting two extremely lucky run plays against the Titan, which, which went for 68 yards, and he almost fumbled the second big one. The problem for me here with the Giants is that they were gifted that first win by the by the Titans. They never were in that game. It was just idiocy from the coaching staff on the Titans' part. And the Giants just... Everybody's overvaluing that play and everybody's saying that Saquon Barkley is back. But I think that you're talking about a defense here in the Panthers that get more contact on the running back inside the first two yards than what the Titans do. The Panthers are more better on the back end in the secondary I think that the Giants are going to struggle to move the ball and those RPOs won't be as effective with the speed off the edges that the Panthers have. Despite Baker Mayfield struggling mightily in that first half last week, he came on strong in the second half with big plays over 70 yards. There's another big play over 60 yards. You're not going to get these big plays every week, but he has stellar receivers in DJ Moore and Roby Anderson to get the job done there. I think plus two and a half is an egregious oversight and an overvaluation of the Giants here. I don't think the Giants are going to be doing too much. If anything, you probably want to be taking Saquon Barkley on the unders receiving and rushing yards. That's not what we're going to be doing here. The stat pack for this match is going to be Baker Mayfield over 218.5 passing yards at minus 110. And my ATS touchdown score here is DJ Moore at plus 187. For me here, I'm loving the Panthers at that plus two value. I'm liking the overs in this one. I think the Panthers can get 27 points to 27 to 30 points on this giant secondary. It's really not that good. Adoree Jackson has very, very sticky fingers when somebody gets close to him. He loves getting those flags. Now, the Panthers still have run CMC coming out of the backfield too, so if Matt Rule tries to get him a bit more involved, then the, the Panthers could have their way in this one. For me, I think this is just too close of a line, and if anything, the Panthers should have been the ones favoured here. So this is a, an absolute reverse line for me and an overreaction to the on the marketplace for the Giants winning that first week. So for me, you can give me those those points on the Panthers here, the plus two, and I'm absolutely loving the the overs here, the forty three and a half with DJ Moore to score and Baker Mayfield over those two hundred and eighteen and a half passing yards.
The next game here is going to be the first time since 1998 that the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots have faced off against each other without the names Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger on their rosters. What a turn of history that is. One big page being turned. The Steelers coming out in week one looked rather rusty. They did get all those turnovers on defense, but that offense was just pus. I didn't see anything that I liked about it, but in saying that, there was absolutely nothing to like about the Patriots' offense either. It just looked like a complete mess. The running back situation is also a mess with the triple-headed monster of Ramondra Stevenson, Damian Harris, and Ty Bloody Montgomery. What the hell is Ty Montgomery doing in this mixture? He doesn't deserve to be getting the carries when you've got Ramondra Stevenson and Damian Harris there. Something's just gone fully gaga there with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I don't see what is happening there. It's just an absolute mess. The Patriots, I had them minus three for this. The actual line is minus two for the Patriots. Plus three on the Steelers, plus two is the actual line. I just, even though my line is plus one more, I just, there's a big part of me that thinks that Steelers defense, even without TJ Watt, is going to be too much for Mac Jones, who's carrying an injury here. I don't like this game at all. I'm not going to have a bet on it in the slightest. I think even the 40.5 total is going to struggle with all the injuries and the lack of playmaking ability across the field. If there's anybody who's going to score, I'm going to say it's going to be Damian Harris at plus 120, and I'm going to give him over 11.5 rush attempts here because I think they might jump out to an early lead and then just try to control the clock. But I do not like this game in the slightest. Not in the slightest at all. This is an absolute stay away for me. I just dislike it. The LA Rams are coming in in the next one here against the Atlanta Falcons with super Marcus Mariota at under centre with a healing Matt Stafford under centre for the Rams. I had the line set here at plus 9.5 for the Falcons and minus 9.5 for the Rams. The actual line came out minus 10 plus 10. So I think I'm liking the Falcons here at this plus 10 value. I mean, it's not like the Rams can't blow them to pieces. But I think Alan Robinson is going to struggle being lined up against AJ Terrell all game. I think that you're going to have to see Stafford actually do something with the ball this week. He's really struggled last week with that elbow injury. It looked like it was really bothering him. The lack of separation from Allen Robinson also wiped him out of the passing game, as well as Cam Akers not being able to find any any gaps in, in the offensive line. He went three carries for zero, and that was his day. I think we're going to see a bit more of Cam Akers this time because he's got a pretty decent matchup. He's probably a better ball runner against this type of defense than what... I would say Daryl Henderson is because Daryl Henderson's a bit more light-footed whereas Cam Akers is a bit more north-south and you need that north-south to take out somebody like Grady Jarrett just to wear him down. But I love that plus 10 here on the Falcons. They're actually a decent side because Art Smith has a great playbook for Marcus Mariota. Art Smith was around when Marcus was on the scene doing his thing for the Titans. If anyone's going to be able to unlock the potential of Mariota this season, it's definitely going to be Art Smith. That 46.5, I think that's going to be a good overshot here. I'm not going to be playing the totals in this one, though. I'm taking the Falcons with that plus 10. My ATS pick here is Drake London. I think he saw enough action week one to, to warrant a shot at being listed as a, an anytime touchdown scorer in this contest. I think Marcus Mariota over 0.5 interceptions, too. I think he's going to see a lot of pressure coming through his offensive line, and that pressure is going to make him make mistakes, I can guarantee it. I think he'll get at least one or two picks this game because Aaron Donald's just not going to leave him alone. And maybe some of that trauma from his multiple injuries throughout his career is going to come back and make him throw a lollipop to somebody. That's what we can hope for you because I really like that over zero and a half on Marcus Mariota for interceptions here. 
So for the Rams-Falcons game, I'm taking the Falcons plus 10, not touching the total. Drake London ATS and Marcus Mariota over 0.5 interceptions. Now we're looking at the bog-marching San Francisco 49ers against the Seattle Seahawks. One's a winner, one's a loser. I'm taking the 49ers here. This is uh, my line. I had minus 5.5. The Seahawks are plus 5.5. The actual line was minus 9 when I had this data. It's actually come down to minus 8 on the 49ers and plus 8 on the Seahawks. I think this is another one of those big market overreactions to the Seahawks last week. They've lost Jamal Adams, one of their best components of their defense. I think you'll see a lot of of different looks coming out of the 49ers this week because they're not playing in a monsoon. So you'll see a lot of RPOs coming through on Trey Lance out of the backfield. I think Jeff Wilson's going to be seeing a lot of ball. I think they're going to be trying to control the pace of the game here with Debo Samuel, Jeff Wilson, as well as trying to get Brandon Ayuk on the outside. I think Kittle won't be playing. The Seahawks are going to be trying to play Will Disley into the, the, the scene again, as well as Noah Fant. They're really loving these uh, du- duo tight ends that they have, which is understandable because they're both bloody big targets with huge catch radiuses. I think at the plus nine or the plus eight now that it is for the Seahawks, I think that's a bit short. I had minus five and a half, minus nine, I think. That was also long when it first opened. It's coming in. There's lots of money hammering the Seahawks, but I think this is a great market overreaction. I don't want a piece of this game because I just don't have a beat on it. I'll be leaving this one much like the Patriots game because the Seahawks are good. The 49ers are better. Are the 49ers 9-point better or 8-point better? I don't believe so. With a 40 total, it makes me believe this is going to be like a 17-13, 17-10 kind of game. I think there's going to be points in bunches. Trey Lance hasn't really shown much at quarterback, and Geno Smith isn't really somebody you want to sign up to put money on most of the time. So I'm taking Jeff Wilson, though, for an anytime touchdown score. I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to get within range, and Wilson will get that carry in the red zone. I've got DK Metcalf going over 57.5 receiving yards, two at minus 110. Now we've got another market overreaction here of the Dallas Cowboys and Cincinnati Bengals. I like the Bengals here. I had the minus 9.5 against the Cowboys without Dak Prescott. The actual lines right now is plus 7.5, minus 7.5 with a 41.5 total. I I believe that the Cowboys are just toast this season. I think you can put a fork in them already with Dak being out six to eight weeks. They're going to really struggle. This is definitely the perfect spot where everybody's going to come in hard on the Bengals and this would be just a great windfall for, for the house if the Bengals stuff this up somehow which wouldn't shock me because the house doesn't play to lose but we're here against the Cowboys that are really injured they're lacking that presence on the front front of the offensive line too with the injuries out left to the left tackle Smith we're talking about Cooper Rush coming in to try and save the season for the Cowboys I just I can't see it do I think that the Bengals can cover seven and a half I, I do I think they could probably cover up to ten in this game 41.5, I think this goes overs. I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to put up 30 points and the Cowboys might get 10 or ten or 13 points at the very most. I'm taking Jamar Chase for an anytime touchdown score at minus 110 and I'm going to take Joe Burrow over 1.5 passing touchdowns at minus 150. I'm not sure if that 150 is going to hang around much longer, but it's great value. The Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans, the next one's on the plate. I've got the Broncos at minus 5.5 and, and the Texans at plus 5.5. I think... This is another one of those overreact, underreact kind of things. I, I believe that the Texans are being disrespected here with that plus 10. They played very well against the Colts, who defensively are a better side than what the Broncos were week one. 
they were run all over. I think the Texans are going to try to in, introduce Damian Pierce a lot more this week. The back end of the, the the Texans is a concern. I think that Russell Wilson will be able to pass a lot in this game. I think there's going to be a bit too much pressure coming in on Davis Mills here for the Broncos to stay within range here. So I'm going to be taking the Denver Broncos. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to be leaving this one. I'm not going to be taking either side of the uh, Broncos or the Texans here, and I don't like that total. Jerry Judy is my ATS in this one, and my stat pack is Davis Mills over 0.5 intercepts at minus 110. Next up, we have the LV Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals. It's minus 4.5 is my line for the Raiders, as well as the Cardinals at plus 4.5. The actual line came in at minus 5.5, plus 5.5. Total is 51.5. I think the Raiders just have too much to offer on offense now. They're going to start getting Josh Jacobs a bit more integrated into this offense. They've got Darren Waller at full speed. They've got Hunter Renfro at full speed. They've got Devontae Adams at full speed. They've just got too many options here for the Cardinals to compete with. Their their secondary is the worst in the league by far. It's not even close. Pro Football Focus has them rated 27th, but I think they'll be well down to 32nd after last week. 51.5 is in trouble. I think the Raiders are probably possible candidates for dropping 30 this week. Cardinals will get their garbage time points. I, I think Kyler Murray is a good option for an ATS scorer at that plus 187. I think that's a little bit overs for him. And I like Hunter Renfro to get back in the game here with over 44.5 receiving yards at minus 110. That one can be found on uh, DraftKings. But I have the Las Vegas Raiders winning and covering this one. I have them winning by a touchdown. So a seven-point spread covers that minus 5.5. Now, the next game we have on deck is the Green Bay Packers against the Chicago Bears, or or should we just rename them to the property of Aaron Rodgers Bears because he just destroys these guys. His career record against them is just phenomenal. The minus 6.5 here on the Green Bay Packers is where I had it at. The Chicago Bears are plus 6.5, but the actual line that came out was minus 9.5 on the Green Bay Packers and plus 9.5 on the Chicago Bears with a total of 41.5. That would make you think, again, it's going to be another low-scoring game, which is possible because the Packers are struggling to find that groove on offense, but I just think this is the perfect storm in a teacup for a player like Aaron Jones to explode and dominate after not getting much too much in the way of touches last week. Last week was the A.J. Dillon show. We're looking at Aaron Jones here to really just push his way through this Bears defense, which is rather paltry. I've got Aaron Jones as an anytime touchdown score at plus 110, as well as Aaron Jones over 32.5 receiving yards at minus 110. I think he's going to get somewhere between four and five targets. He'd probably catch three or four of those. And I think he's got more than enough potential to take 35, 37 receiving yards into this one. So I've got the Green Bay Packers covering that nine and a half. I think it's, it's going to be close, but I've got them winning by 10. 41 and a half is the total. I think this possibly goes over but I'm just not going to play it because the Bears could come out and absolutely lay an egg because the Packers' defense is rather underrated. Even though they lost last week, there were reasons why they lost. So I'm going to stick with that Packers minus 9.5 here. I'm going to take Aaron Jones as the anytime touchdown scorer as well as Aaron Jones over those 32.5 receiving yards. Now we've got the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans here. We've got minus 7.5, which is my line on the Buffalo Bills, and plus 7.5 on the Titans. The actual line was minus 10 on the Bills, plus 10 on the Titans, which is absolute disrespect to the Titans because of how badly they fucked things up last week. The total is 48. That would suggest that they're expecting at least one team to reach that 27-32 cap. 
I think that's probably going to be the Bills. I don't think the Titans are going to win this, but I feel that they can stay close and cover this. I have this down as a 28-32 victory for the Bills. I like Derrick Henry's an anytime touchdown scorer at that plus money value. He's got a very good scoring track record against the Bills. And that front middle interior of the defensive line is actually not much better than what he scored two touchdowns against last year. So I'm very happy to take Derrick Henry at that ATS plus 105. I think Kyle Phillips is just becoming a really favoured target for Ryan Tannehill now. And the market only being said it's over 27.5 receiving yards for Phillips is a little bit soft. I think he probably can get 34-35 here on 6-7 targets. So minus 110 there for Kyle Phillips over the 27.5 receiving yards. So we're taking the Tennessee Titans at the plus 10. We're not going to play the total. We're taking Derrick Henry plus 105 and Kyle Phillips over that 27.5 receiving yards. Now the last game here of this, of this week is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles against the Minnesota Vikings. Minus 2.5 was my line for the Eagles, plus 2.5 Vikings. It's actually set at minus 2, plus 2, and the total is 50.5. I like the Eagles here. As much as it hurts me inside to say this, I think the Eagles are going to come out and they have the better defense here. They also have the better ability to run the ball against the soft edges of the Vikings. The Vikings, you could say, got very lucky with how they were able to beat the Packers last week. The Packers actually missed multiple scoring opportunities with drop catches, lost possessions, terrible handling of the ball inside the red zone. Just like a, an extra preseason game with how many mistakes they made. They pretty much gifted that game away last week to the Vikings. This week is going to be a bit more of a challenge for the Vikings, especially with Kirk Cousins in that prime time spot where he is just dreadful. I think the Eagles are going to be able to run the clock out, control the ball, control possession, put points up. They put 38 points up on the lines last week. The scoreboard there only looked close because they took the throttle off half on the second half of the game. The Eagles put that one to bed very fast. I think AJ Brown's going to be too much to handle for this Vikings secondary. Wouldn't shock me if he goes over 100 again here because Jalen Hurts just stares him down and then he runs. There's no other option on the field for him. He's a one-look one look quarterback in Jalen Hurts, so... With that said, I think Jalen Hurts is actually going to be able to get into the end zone this week, and that plus 125 value on it is actually pretty good. i got Adam Thielen over the 32.5 receiving yards as well at minus 110. I think he's going to be a bit more involved in the passing attack this, this week because Darius Slay on Justin Jefferson is a bit more of a better matchup. I think Jefferson might struggle to uh, have his way with the defense like he did in week one. I feel that the Eagles just have a bit more to offer on offense than what the the Green Bay Packers did week one and they're a bit more in unison with one another than how you would say the Packers were because they were kind of dealing with the patchwork offense with injuries and whatnot. Eagles are fully healthy, they're ready to go and they've got a bit more of a dynamic offense with Hertz able to run around with the ball. So we're taking the Eagles at that minus two, we're going to take the over 50 and a half here, we're going to take Jalen Hertz as the ATS at plus 125 and Adam Thielen over the 32 and a half receiving yards. Now we're going to go look at the three peaks for the ATS here, sponsored by BetChimps.com. We're looking at Jamar Chase as the number one option for an ATS scorer this week with Derrick Henry and Jamal Williams. Now the three-pack stat pack powered by Bet365 is Adam Thielen, over 32.5 receiving yards. We're taking Tua Tagovailoa over 0.5 interceptions with Marcus Mariota over 0.5 interceptions as well. Now, the over-the-hill totals that we're liking the most this week, we're looking at the Lions and the Commanders over the 48.5. Big fan of the Bucks and Saints going under that 44.5, and the Jags and the Colts going under 45 as well. 
Now the Tower of Terror money line triple triple parlay. We're taking the Eagles, Bengals, and Panthers for that. Thanks to our sponsors at thefadepro.com for putting $100 forward. Anything we win on the Tower of Terror money line is going towards charity at the end of the season, so hopefully we can do a, uh, a good deed this year. But this is the first episode out of the way for the season. It might be a bit patchy because I've just had to do a straight record. I appreciate you all for tuning in. We'll have a better quality episode next week. Peace out. That's the fade.